Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And we are back, and welcome back, everybody, to the Garden Wise Show here on Legends 810 with your Garden Wise Guys, Jim Borland and Keith Funk, holding court here, taking your phone calls at 303-477-2473. And you can help us celebrate today. Today is National Bagel Day. It's also I like bagels. Yeah, I do, too. And it's National Hat Day, so you can wear a hat and eat bagels at the same time. It's national, and this one, you're going to have to tell me what it is, because I didn't bother looking it up. National Booch Day. B-O-O-C-H. I don't know what I don't that think is. I, I don't think I even want to know Maybe what that is. Maybe our research and development department is going to uh, Yeah, yeah. Get on it there, Sean. National Fresh Squeeze Day. You should see the way I spelled that here. <laughs> national Pothole Day. And my favorite, National Strawberry Ice Cream Day today. Excellent. Yes. So you uh, posted something on our Facebook page, some dyed Haworthias. <laughs> I had you in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and everybody has seen them. Uh, Home Depot has carries them almost all the time. <laughs> oh, God. is a little, they look like little agaves. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Or little aloes or yeah. something. Yeah, and somebody so, decided they'd look even better if we spray painted them different colors. <laughs> yes, well, I got fooled. I, so I I, I'm not imba- I'm not too embarrassed to say I was fooled when I was in a Home Depot and I saw them <laughs> and it looked like a reasonably accurate, interesting color that a plant could have. It wasn't blue or pink <laughs> or magenta red or no. fluorescent pink. <laughs> no, it was it was a color that it, you know it could have been. <laughs> so uh, not thinking about it for you know a buck two ninety eight. I grabbed one and, and went home with it. And then I noticed that the new growth was coming out, and it wasn't that color. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> oh, dear. So Jim has to poke the bear. Yeah, I did. I was going to post and put the in, in the wording something. That, here, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new blue variety. <laughs> but, I, I should, but I decided not to. God. <laughs> You've suffered enough already. <laughs> oh. Hey. Oh, dear, dear. Hey, um, this I find unusual. And again, I'm going back to Hawaii. I, I'm keeping track of, as I run across them, plants that they can grow in Gila, which is our favorite place to stay. And that's, that's right on the coast, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, plants that grow there outdoors that we can grow here outdoors year-round. Okay. I'm now up to 40 species. No way. I have added... Pinus nigra, Austrian pine, Austrian pine, and hosta. Okay. Now I can't say I've seen hostas in gardens, but they were in the garden store. Okay. And I'm assuming if they have it there, you can, give, you can grow it in your yard. Well, they have a bunch of different climate zones going up that mountain. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, these are, you know, that's the garden store on the coast. So yeah, that's the only people they sell to. Let's face it. And uh, I was just surprised to see them. 
But there are a lot of pines you can grow there, but I haven't figured out which one's which is which yet. Lots of junipers. I'll say lots. I'm talking about less than a handful. Um, and, you know, a ton of other stuff. Oh, we saw the coolest junipers. Those Hollywood junipers, Tortulosa. Best. Those are so cool. Best. They don't grow here, unfortunately. And you mentioned pines in San Diego. At the front of the Del Coronado Hotel, mm-hmm. there were four Norfolk pines. Mm-hmm. Each one, you'd have to have two or three people link, you know, hold hands to get around, get around it. a trunk. Yep, that big. They were enormous. Yep. And one of them was the first electrically lit Christmas tree, outdoor Christmas tree in the country. Really? Back when it was like. 15 feet tall. <laughs> I was going to say three <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> now they're close to 100 feet tall, I think. They had a cherry picker in there. Yeah. A giant cherry picker going up and down doing some pruning. Oh, really? Pruning on it? Yeah. Huh. Taking some dead branches out, oh, I guess. Oh, okay. They're, they're just too, I think they're just too prickly to climb. Oh, were they the, the sharp uh, araucaria? Well, type? they're the, the typical Norfolk pine. They weren't the... They weren't the like the bunya bunya or the oh, monkey puzzle. Oh, okay, yeah, that those those are wicked. Those are wicked nasty. <clears throat> you climb up one of those, you'll come down in shreds. Mm-hmm. You won't come down. <laughs> That's right. Even the trunks got the yeah, nasty yeah. needles. What's even more dramatic than seeing Norfolk pines is going down a road and seeing like a mile of them in front of you, on mm. either side of the road. Yeah, hundreds of them, all of them a hundred feet tall. I can understand oh, why God. they were cut down. To use as ship masts yes. in the past. Yeah. Because they're just this one stem going straight up as straight as yeah. an arrow. Yep. They make beautiful turn bowls out of them. Oh, Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, my God. And they, and they turn them so thin you can see light through them. No. <laughs> Expensive. No doubt. <laughs> Well, I, I just couldn't believe the size of the trunks of these trees. They were they were just enormous. And it's a Norfolk pine, much like our caller growing, trying to grow avocados in the house. This guy, I mean, these we all grow and have grown a Norfolk pine as a Christmas yeah. tree or a temporary house plant in the house. And all the lower limbs fall off. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, what did I do wrong? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> Ponderosa pines do that too. Yeah, yeah. Given enough time, those lower branches are gone. Right. Hmm. So we have a caller. We do. I believe it's Ivor. All right. Yes, Ivor. Good morning. Thank you for calling the Garden Wise guys. What can we do for you? I got some um, some uh, the asparagus. Okay. And at the end of the year, around um, probably up September, there were these little. um, They look like a small. like a small, very small caterpillar, not more than about uh, probably three quarter of an inch. All right. Very tiny. Uh-huh. And then there was some some bugs. It looked like a, it looked like a ladybug, but it's not a ladybug. It's very similar. Sure. A little smaller. What you're describing is called the asparagus beetle, and the okay. the little caterpillar is the immature stage, and then the reddish colored adult that looks sort of like a ladybug. Is the uh, adult and those and they they are specific to asparagus. They love asparagus. Uh, they're stupid, <laughs> and and they're you know typically you just take your hand and and 
whack them off the plant and they can't figure out how to find their way back. But uh, you can also spray for them with a, with a vegetable garden approved or labeled uh, insecticide. They're very, very easy to control. And if you only see one or two or three uh, during the year, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but they can build up over time. And what they do is they eat the fronds, the, the nice ferny foliage that, that they grow up. Um, and that can over time weaken the plant and you'll get fewer and smaller spears in the spring. So um, if they do start building up in numbers, if you can't control them just by hitting them with your hand, then you'll need to spray them with a, with a very mild, I mean, I'm talking very mild insecticide that's labeled for vegetable gardens. Yeah, soapy water might do it. Yeah. Because I do have quite a bit. Um, they kind of invaded um, most of my ferns. They were about five feet. So, uh-huh. um, so there were quite a bit of them. So I'll try that um, this coming season. Yeah, yeah just um, keep an eye out. Have just keep an eye out on them. As soon as you see those caterpillars, that's when to start spraying. Don't, don't, uh, if you can help it, try not to let them grow up into the adult stage because then they're just going to start laying more eggs. And you want to. You want to break that life cycle if you can. Okay, sounds good. I have and, one and other question. I was going to say, and you I might try before you do the spraying, just whack them with your hand and knock them off and see if that's sufficient. Okay, sounds good. Um, you have time for one other question? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they, I do have, like, uh, my um, strawberry patch. And then about at the end of the year, growing season, um, Many of them started just dying. They just started wilting. Mm-hmm. So I just dug around the root, and then there was this, like, lava. It looks like a Japanese beetle, um, you, you know, like a young lava. It's embedded within the root, and it's just totally eaten at the root. Yeah, That's uh, a black, uh, vine, black vine weevil, I believe, is what that is. Okay. Isn't that and right, Jim? Yeah, I, I, I think that's what it is, yeah, yeah. That could be. You can That's treat for that. You can you can spread around some just grub control, same kind of uh, stuff you'd use on your lawn. And you could sprinkle, so you, yeah, sprinkle that around the plants. Try to keep it off the foliage, and then water it in well, and that that should take care of it. So that will be safe on a strawberry. You just want to make sure that what whatever grub control you use, that it's not a systemic. A systemic would be absorbed by the roots and carried up into the plant and into the strawberries. So you need to use a non-systemic insecticide granule. Okay, then. I got you. And the bag will tell you that, whether it's systemic or not. Exactly. Okay. If you don't see systemic, then it probably isn't. All right. That's all I have. That's been very helpful. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for calling. Have a good one, Ivor. You too now. Bye. I saw, again, getting back to Facebook, I saw someone posted, and you had to look closely, a meal they were having. I don't know why people post pictures of what they're eating, but anyway, they did. And on the plate was, I don't know what the name of the plate was, but you could see sticking out underneath whatever the topping was were these four or five white spears. Mm-hmm. Asparagus spears. They have those at the grocery store right now. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. White Blan- asparagus. Yeah, called blanched uh-huh. spears. And you you can do this at home. Uh, when when you notice that your uh, your spears are starting to grow, yeah, uh, grab a whole bunch of dried leaves and pile them up over there. And um, 
and you'll have to check from time to time to see, you know, the, the status of them. You don't want them growing up out of the leaves. But uh, at some point, they'll, the, the spears will turn white. They do that without light. Well, when I was in Europe, they we were going down this one river, and, and I saw these fields, and they were covered with yeah. rows and rows of black plastic or yeah. some kind of black material, maybe not plastic. And I asked our guide what that was, and he goes, those are... Asparagus fields. Yeah. They're creating white asparagus by yeah. not letting the light hit them. Yeah. Pay more for them. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> like <Yes>. three times <laughs> the green uh, ones. I found some in the wild once underneath a cottonwood tree, and all the leaves from the past year, probably several years, was laying there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what possessed me to, to kick them aside, and there were some white asparagus spears coming up. Hmm. So I took them home and chunked jumped on them they're good very 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 tender very mild yeah you could just eat them raw oh absolutely you don't have to cook them no all right let's see we've got um we've got chris on the line out in denver good morning chris thanks for calling the garden wise guys well thank you question i have is i i bring in three large plants every winter and one's a tropical hibiscus another one's a lemon and i think it's a nitter fica and i'm wondering to keep them, because I won't be increasing the size of the pots that I have them in now, can I go in when I, uh, can I go in and cut the roots to keep them from getting root bound? Yes, yeah, actually you can do that. Uh, you would take them out of the original pot, obviously, and very carefully with some chopsticks or a fork or something like that, peel back away, you know, an inch or two of soil all the way around. And then cut back the roots and repot it back into the same container with some fresh soil around it. You might want to do a little pruning on the top just to try to keep the, the plant and the root, you know, the above and the below ground part a little balanced. Uh, and that you should be fine with that. I wouldn't do that right now, though. The plants this time of year aren't in real active growth. So um, I'd probably wait until maybe March or April. What do you think, Jim? I was going to say, at the earliest February, it depends on the plant and how well it's growing, but uh, March and April would be perhaps a better time. Okay, great. Uh, Question on my lemon tree, too. I started it from seed, and I have never had any blooms from it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that because I'm not fertilizing it enough, or? No. How, How old is this plant? It's probably about five years. Yeah, see, what what you're growing is a full size or what they'd call a standard tree mm-hmm. um, which is going to get what 30 feet tall um, and they have to get a certain size and age before they can actually bloom the the lemons and and, and other citrus that people grow as a house plant around here are dwarf varieties typically they're grafted and so they'll bloom and fruit on small plants yours will not now that's too bad I was looking forward to it blooming and smelling those nice... Well, you, you can try to prove us wrong and just keep it for another five years and then give us a call. Well, I will do that. Okay. But you do, you do need to let the plant get large. I mean, yeah. it's got to get some size to it to be able to, for it to bloom. And just tons of light in the summer or wintertime. Yes. Uh, when you say huge and, and big, how large are you at saying? I mean, Six or eight feet tall? Well, that's a little tall. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to get rid of it yet. I'm going to keep it around and uh, 
hopefully I get some blooms and I'll let you folks know. All right, yeah, good. Some, yeah, sometimes you'll get blooms uh, on a young plant and no, and no fruit, and the fruit will come as the plant gets older. Okay. And you'll need um, to, you'll probably, if it blooms, and typically they bloom during the winter months, yeah. you'll have to go through, since there's no bees, uh, with a paintbrush, a small paintbrush, and, and pollinate the flowers. Okay. Okay, well, if that happens, I will definitely do that. Another thing on the hibiscus, the tropical hibiscus, can I go ahead and trim that back now? Do I you did not do that when I brought it in. Oh, okay. Uh, again, it's the time of year. They're not, okay. they're not really growing that fast. And, or do you have it in a really sunny, warm room? It's in, yes. Okay, and how is it? Is it producing new leaves and flowers? Not flowers, it's not, but it is producing leaves. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd still probably wait until March, April before I'd cut it back when it, it gets more into the longer days and, and, and so forth, uh, and the plant kicks into a, a, a better growth stage uh, before I cut it back. So I could do that if I go ahead and I remove some of the roots in March and April. I can go ahead and at that Yeah, time at that time you could do that, sure. Um, Absolutely. Okay, well, you've answered my question, so I appreciate your time. You're welcome, and good luck with that. Thanks, Chris, Thank for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. The, uh, the local and uh, up-to-date report on snow levels statewide, we're at 128% of average, which is good. Yeah. South Platte, which is where we are, we're 125% of average. Uh, and, and looking out and about, and you see, yeah, we have some snow, but most of it's gone. So these averages actually are talking about mountain country oh yeah snow they're getting up there yeah and uh the the largest above average area in the state is the gunnison river valley at 149 percent, and that's good for them Mm -hmm. they've been in severe drought for a long time and you're looking at march april as two of our snowiest months of the year and they're still to come fingers crossed fingers crossed yeah and they say really do need above average to restock the soil profile full of moisture because it's Mm -hmm. dry Dry, dry, dry. Well, that's a good point. And so we won't get as much runoff. We won't we... get as much runoff. And down here, it's been dry, dry, dry. Yes. This snow that we had might as well not exist. It's, it's, not, it's not a snow that produces water for your plants, really. Not much water in it. No. Not much water and in it. And a lot of that evaporated, by the way. Mm-hmm. So go out into your yard, especially on south and west exposures. Take a screwdriver or a trowel or whatever and dig around in some of the flower beds and what have you. See what the moisture levels are like down several inches deep. You should still be able to do that. I was doing it yesterday. The ground isn't that frozen. And if, um, if the ground is thawed and it's dry, get out there and do some, wa- some watering with a sprinkler, not hand water. Yeah, hand water just isn't going to do it, people. No. It's too much water, too fast. It doesn't soak in well. It just starts to run off very quickly doesn't get down into the soil profile like you'd think it would so use use a sprinkler and let it let it run for 15 20 30 minutes whatever it takes until the water starts to run off and then move it but run it on a low water pressure so the water droplets that come out of the sprinkler are large and aren't shooting way up in the air and creating a mist you don't want that yeah anytime you see a mist when you're watering a lot of that mist is gone it evaporates or blows into your neighbor's yard doing you no good whatsoever so you have to turn down the volume until you the misting stops but there's still water coming out that's what you want 
And it's going to cover a smaller area. So, yes, you'll have to yeah. move it yeah. you know, a number That's of true. times. It'll That's take true. you longer. But it's more efficient, and it gets into the ground better. And your plants will appreciate that. And if you've planted anything this last year, in, in 2021, during the summer, or especially in the fall, those plants haven't really established a, a no. big enough <clears throat> root system to go find water. And that's a, really not an accurate statement because roots don't go find water. But the root systems of those new plants are still very much restricted and concentrated in a small area. Are indeed. So some water is very beneficial. This climate is not the best for young plants like that uh, unless you do some winter watering. Otherwise, you'll see some dieback in the spring. And our last caller was talking about houseplants she brought in the house, and I meant to ask her about uh, what she does or did with the plants before she brought them in the house to make sure no little hitchhikers yeah, came along. Yeah, little, little bug characters. Yeah, we don't want those. Y by the way, you're going to get them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I threw out <clears throat> one plant yesterday that had mealybug. I don't know how it got there. I don't know how it got there. It's a mystery. Maybe, because I, I likewise did, and I, and I sprayed the living daylights on it before I brought them in, and it should have gotten any mealybugs, whatever stage of life they were in. But in the past, I have cleaned out the whole area, you know, springtime, and I have trays underneath all my plants, mm -hmm. big trays. They're actually boot trays for putting sure, boots on. But yeah. anyway, uh, I took them outside and scrubbed them down, and I looked underneath of them. Mm -hmm. There were mealybugs underneath the trays. How do they get there? They, I know they crawl. Yeah. And, and but that, they don't have a winged that's stage. That's where the infestation, infestations were coming from. Really? I'll have to check that. And that, that's, uh, <coughs> of course, all most of the plants that are on the trays in the wintertime, they go out in the summertime, so it's pretty empty in there. Thank goodness. That's when I took the trays out. But, How long uh, do you think they could live under the trays like that without having a plant to go to? I think it depends on how, what the temperature is. I mean, I like, would they be able to sit there all summer in your, on your porch and stay alive under those trays? I don't know. Don't know that I've ever, ever won't recall ever seeing that in print anywhere. Yeah. How I long do they, can they stay alive? I used to keep the porch a lot colder than I do now, and that coldness probably kept them alive over the winter. Yeah. And then some of them crawl out and get on the plants. Well, I, I, like I said, I tossed one plant that... I had multiples of, and the others were yeah. clean. Yeah. This particular one was not, but I don't trust the other ones now. You know, well, they, but yeah, when they when they crawl, they're tiny. They are, and uh, let's see. Oh, and I did find spider mites. Yeah, and in some yeah. in some cases I do <clears throat> spray for those. In other cases, I just peel off the foliage and then I take those leaves outside. To a trash can I have outside the house. Yep. Good thing. I don't want any of those living bugs in a trash can in the house. If I have the barbecue going, I'll put them in the barbecue. <laughs> Do they scream? <laughs> I don't care. Do they make little noises? I, I throw them in there and then close the lid. <laughs> <laughs> we have to take a little break, folks. We'll be back pretty quick here with the Garden Wise Show with your Garden Wise guys right here on Legends 810. 
Many of us in Colorado start our spring gardens indoors during the winter months, but instead of using plastic six-packs, choose an eco-friendly alternative with botanical interest recycled paper pots. Made from 100% recycled food-grade paperboard, these paper pots are super simple to use. Just pop them open, fill with soil and seed, and when you're ready to transplant out in your garden, tear the perforated bottom away and place directly in the ground. No root disturbance and no transplant stress. The paper pot biodegrades right in the garden bed for a zero-waste solution to seed starting. They also provide a convenient way to share your seedlings with friends and other gardeners. They come in three sizes, and you can find them at garden centers across the country and online at botanicalinterest.com. It's time to fall in love all over again. Valentine's Day is Monday, February 14th. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we deliver romance. Surprise her at work on Friday and impress her coworkers, or start the weekend off with a special delivery at home for the weekend celebration. We have just the thing to take her breath away. Send beautiful roses and shades of red and pink or a colorful spring mix of garden flowers. It's easy to give a gift of nature. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com and see all of our Valentine specials. Call us and speak with one of our floral specialists or stop by. We're open daily. Spread the love. Don't forget a friendly bouquet for Valentine's Day or a special floral hug for your mom and something for him. Choose a masculine floral bouquet or a houseplant for his desk. Guys love flowers too. Lafayette Florist is your one-stop Valentine's Day shop. Add a finishing touch with balloons, plush bears, and gourmet chocolates. We deliver next door and all around the world. Order now to reserve your Valentine's Day flowers. Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Contact us at 303-665-5555 or www.lafayetteflorist.com and we'll help you express your love. Happiness guaranteed. Hey, we're back. We're taking your phone call. Here's the phone number. 303-477-2473. And that'll get you in here. I don't think... Is there anybody waiting? No. There is no wait list. No queue. My feelings are hurt. No queue. I'm taking this very personally. And every time I say there's no queue, I think of queue on Star Star Trek. Trek? Yeah. Oh, not uh, he died. Not cue the conspiracy. He, he died last year, or year before. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I like, kind of liked him. He was the bad. Guy. He was quirky. Yeah, in he, a in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yes. uh, trying to think of what else is going on. Well, we were talking about bugs on your houseplants. I just wanted to remind everybody, you know, I I check pretty much every time. I go downstairs to the grow room, rooms. (laughs) I know there are certain plants that are prone to either white fly or spider mites or mealybug. So, you know, check your canaries in the coal mine. Yep. On an almost daily basis right now. Um, You might think you've gotten, you know, far enough into winter that if if there were bugs, you'd have seen them by now. Don't fall into that trap. And I'll bet you the next one you see is going to be on a plant that is loaded with them. And you'll say to yourself, how did I miss that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see it every year it happens. Mm-hmm. And I I'm, I'm, go through the area several times a day. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't search the plants every th- all those times. But. but after a while, especially at our age, you learn to see the symptoms of a bug yeah. infestation. Yeah. You don't even have to see the bug. <coughs> you know that that pattern of discoloration or the way that leaf is growing or just something about the plant doesn't look right. You know that there's a bug there somewhere. Yep. Yep. And you can just tell by that. You don't even have to see the bug. It just gives you a cue that you should go take a look. Yeah, by the way, I, I brought in colocasias, talking about bringing plants in mm. for the winter. I have two of them in, f- f- I want to say, five-gallon pots. And they were in, you know, they're, they're young plants, but they're, they're still qu- quite large, big leaves on them and what have you. And they're sitting in pots that I, I haven't watered since I brought them in because mm-hmm. I want them to die back. And they won't die back. And they've had, <laughs> and I treated them four or five times for spider mites. Cut the leaves off, man. I should. That's what I do. I mean, right. I, they they keep mine keep trying to grow leaves. I keep cutting them off. I I don't know if they're old enough. They have a nice oh rhizome I, or whatever they have underneath them. Chunky thing. Yeah. Huh? Next year it'd be no problem. But yeah. Because I have a bunch of others that I've cut all the leaves off, and they continue growing. Well, e- my, even with no water. You know how big my banana tree is. Yes. And I brought that in again. It was I've had it since. 1999. Yeah. Can so you believe that? that? that uh, let me do the math here. That's yeah. close to 22 years old. Yeah, exactly. It had spider mites on it the other day. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And it's too big with too many leaves to spray it. Yeah. yeah. Without getting it all over the basement. <laughs> and, and it's probably too hard to wheel it outside. Oh, no way. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So you know what I did? I cut it off. There you go. You teach them a lesson. I, I mean, I cut it way back. I mean, to down, down to where the old leaves stumps yeah, are. Yeah, Because I know that bananas, their growing point is down below the soil below, surface. Below the ground, yeah. So I'm not cutting off its ability to regrow. And, I, and sure enough, it's already got two leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but they're clean. Uh, for now. <laughs> and I didn't have to spray. Yeah. And I reduced the height of the plant, yeah, which is a good, good thing, thing too. Yeah. So that helped a lot. Are you watering it? I try not to. I, only enough so that it doesn't, you know, so the soil doesn't start pulling away yeah. from the side of the pot. So that's all. And, and there's a couple of other things growing in that pot with the banana that mm-hmm. I want to keep alive mm-hmm. so I can take some cuttings. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. But keep your eyes tuned uh. for strange things going on with your plants, even if they didn't spend the summer outside. They, oh, that's you know, bugs can come in on your clothing, on your dog, on your cat. On your shoes, through the screen. Some yes. are so small they come right through screens. Right. So keep that in mind. Let's go back out to the phones now. We've got, uh, we've got Joe on the line wanting to talk to us about apple trees. Good morning, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello. Hey, there you are. How you doing, man? Good, good. Staying warm. Good. What's going on? Hey, I got a silver leaf maple tree about 20 25 feet tall and i had it like uh three years so far and the bark on the outer part is cracking all the way up and down the tree and i was wondering if that what's the concern with that three years old probably shouldn't be happening yet on i'm gonna say silver maple tree can you, yeah. can you see the trunk through the cracks? Uh, 
Yeah, there's a pretty deep one down by the yeah. on the. And I noticed there's there's cracks more and more each year. Predominantly, where are the cracks occurring? What side of the tree? A compass direction. Oh, um, I'm gonna say my trees east east side. Hmm. Is this are the, are the cracks happening all the way around the trunk or just on one particular side? Uh, actually, all the way around it. And how but how ma- how big a diameter is that trunk? I'm gonna say like uh, six inches. Okay, so what what Jim and I are trying to get to here is maple trees when they're young have what's called the juvenile bark, which is smooth, unbroken, kind of a silvery gray. Uh, and it looks very nice. But as they get older, they start to switch over to what's called an adult bark. And yeah. that becomes very cracked and fissured and flaky like an adult tree does. And that starts at the bottom and moves its way up slowly in height. So yeah. it's, it sounds to me like your tree is his teenage years and yes. is going through puberty. <laughs> 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 yeah, so put a curfew on it at night. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be back by 11. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not going to die on me, right? Well, I no. don't think so. Are you wa- How are you watering it? Oh, uh, I'm going to say at least uh, right now twice twice a month. I'll give it some water. Okay, how about, how about the summertime? How is it being watered? Oh, it's being watered through the sprinkler system every three days. And is there grass surrounding it? Uh, yes. And is there, does friend, go ahead. My friend Pat from O'Toole, he told me to, to cut the grass away and put some bark down. Yeah. Which I did. And uh, so far, it's kind of the same. Where, where I was going with the grass was that I was going to ask you the final question. Does, is your grass looking really good in the summertime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that indicates how much water you're putting down, which then indicates that the tree is probably getting enough water from your irrigation system. And when you water yeah. during the winter, where do you apply the water? Oh, um, right, oh, right on, the, on the base of the tree right around the mulch and that but okay that that's not the best place to put the water the the most important roots to water during the winter actually anytime are out near the perimeter of the spread of the branches oh okay that's where you have most of your more important roots for absorbing water and nutrients so that's where i'd concentrate putting water okay all right i'll do that but yeah, it's that, that that main crack is like facing uh, southeast at the bottom. So, well, if they're if they're just short little cracks um, that are, you know, multiple short little cracks all over the place, that's that's normal. But if you have a long one that's that maybe a foot or two in length that's running up the, vertically up the tree, and the bark seems to be peeling away, and you see the wood underneath that is exposed um, that's another issue altogether okay what issue would that be oh that's that's called sun scald and that is oh. that's another 
problem that maples have here because of their thin bark when they're young. Um, what happens during the winter months, especially January, February, when we have some, some of these warm days that get up into the 50s and 60s, sometimes even up into the 70s during the winter, and then it freezes at night. And what happens during the warm part of the day is the cells underneath that bark oh. on the south and southwest side of the tree particularly start to wake up and then they get uh, frozen at night and it kills them and that creates this vertical strip of dead bark so the yeah. one the one way to avoid that is to wrap the tree when they're young for the winter put a tree wrap around on on that lower part of the trunk and that will keep the the trunk from heating up and uh but now that if, if, if that's what your situation is right now and you're already dealing with it, all you can really do is to make sure any loose bark is removed carefully. You don't want to damage any living bark. Um, but keep the loose bark removed so that it doesn't harbor insects or diseases underneath that you can't see. Okay. So uh, that would be a good idea to wrap it then. <clears throat> if, yeah, if that's the problem then wrapping the tree is the solution because it's not it's an it's an environmental condition it, it's and it's not something you can really control other than wrapping the tree to protect it from that yeah yeah all the cracks are really at the bottom <clears throat> there's a few of them going up the side about three or four feet up <clears throat> but those aren't that bad yeah it sounds so, to yeah. me especially if it's going all if, if you see them on all sides of the tree then that sounds to me like it's just starting its adult bark phase and it's nothing to worry about. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You bet. Listen. I often wonder why this uh, southwest west disease that we're talking about, why it formed in almost every case it's a straight line up the tree. Yeah. I wonder what the the physics is behind that. Hmm. You could think maybe it would crackle throughout the that side of the tree, but no, it's usually just a straight line up the tree. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe an an inch or two wide. If that. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's just that the particular curve of the trunk that hits the the sun hits the tree at that particular angle yeah. at that time of day that warms it up enough for that to be a problem. Curiouser and curiouser. Curiouser and curiouser. But it is a problem with, with young trees, <coughs> thin bark trees like maples. Fruit trees are another exa good example like apples and pears. Uh, anything with a really dark, uh, dark bark, thin bark. Dark bark. And curiously, aspens are not. Well, they're very pale, but well, they've, it, also, it, it, they've it's also white bark, so it yeah. reflects. Yeah, it doesn't heat up as much. Right, but they've also bark. evolved. True. In these situations, so they're they're a little smarter than yeah. some of the trees that that evolved in an area that doesn't have this problem. Uh, Japanese pagoda tree is not one of them. No, no, neither <laughs> is um, golden chain tree. Yeah, another one. That's another one. Why it gets cankers and stuff all over it in mm -hmm. age. Yeah. Um, you want to come over to our party? We're going to take down our Japanese pagoda tree. Somet you have a good party for it? Spring. Yeah, we're going to sure. gather people around. Maybe I'll enough people, we just pull it over. I'll, have, I'll bring a hatchet. <laughs> okay. Wear my wig, my George Washington we, wig. Yeah, we, each of, for, for a price, you can take five whacks. 
I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. All right, let's see. And I'll and I'll make some loamy salmon. Some what kind? Loamy. Loamy loamy salmon it's called. What's loamy salmon? You put dirt on it's, it? <laughs> it's a great dish. <laughs> it consists of tomatoes, two different onions, and 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 salmon. Not two of the same onions? No, one of them's bunch of onions. And another one is a, it should be a Maui onion. Don't flip me but, off. <laughs> but you, can't get, <laughs> you can't get them here. <laughs> that so was mean, Jim. Prefer, preferably, it should be a mild white onion. Right? Yeah, I that know. Is rude. Sorry about that. We're going to take a break and we're going to talk about this. I didn't mean it. <laughs> a long chat. I'm, I'm leaving. All right, we'll, <laughs> take, we'll, we'll take a chat session here and, and get back right here on Legends A Tim. Plants in general are good for the soul, and many studies show people are healthier and happier when surrounded by plants. You will find a nice selection of house plants and some great pots to add interest to your decor at Jared's Nursery and Garden Center. House plants not only add beauty to your living space, they make it healthier by removing toxins and pollutants from the air in your home. Spider plants, philodendron, dracaena, and peace lilies are just some of the common plants that can be great air purifiers. If you're having trouble with existing plants, the staff at Jared's can help you determine the problem and recommend a solution. Maybe the only good thing about COVID is that it resulted in many new gardeners. Jared's has a great selection of seeds, including heirloom and many unusual varieties of flowers and vegetables, tomatoes, peppers, sunflowers, zinnias, and others. Check out their website, jaredsgarden.com, for classes beginning February 5th to help as you plan for spring. Jared's Nursery and Garden Center is located on West Bulls Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Winter hours are 9 to 5, 7 days a week. They thank you for your support in 2021 and look forward to serving you in 2022. Advertise your product or service with the Garden Wise Guys, the most listened to radio gardening show in Colorado since 1994. Radio talk show hosts Keith Funk and Jim Borland are dedicated to supporting and promoting independent businesses and the products and services you sell. The reason for their success is they help their advertisers. This is a destination show every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m., simulcasting on both a.m. and f.m. People are gardening in larger numbers than ever, and radio advertising is timely, adaptable, targeted, and affordable. Listeners can catch the show at home, in the car, at work, and at play. On the radio, computer, or mobile device, the radio is there. Today's competitive marketplace demands an active medium, and that's radio, capable of stirring emotion, creating demand, and selling your product or service. Contact the Garden Wise Guys now. Email thegardenwiseguys at gmail.com. Thegardenwiseguys at gmail.com. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back taking your phone calls on Legends 810. Here's the phone number, 303-477-2473. I said that real fast because now we're over three-fourths of the way with the show being done, and now our lines are filled. What's up with that? Yeah, well, people. I guess. Well, let's get started then. Don is going to be first up. Good morning, Don. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise, guys. 
morning. Hey. Hello. Hello, Don. Hello, can you, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, what's going on with you today? Okay, so so I'm a, um, I'm always experimenting with uh, types of trees, and I've planted a Katsura tree. Uh-huh. In my back in my backyard in Monument, Colorado, and I know I'm pushing the zone index a bit. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Isn't that Circidophyllum? Uh, I'm sorry? Yeah, that's Circidophyllum. That's the Latin name for it. Uh, we're trying, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to, I'm, I'm I'm running through my files in my brain, remembering what the zone is for that plant. And and you said it's in Montrose, Monument. No, it's an actual, oh, uh, monu- monument. Monument. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you are pushing that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm just pushing the envelope, but I've got it in a nice spot in the garden where uh, it's a low point, uh, so it gets some moisture. Um, I've got it mulched, but um, I'm I'm hoping I have a fifty-fifty chance that it'll be okay. Yeah, me too, because that, that's a really very pretty tree, and I don't see, I, I've only seen one here in the Denver area. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, cool. um, it's not, I don't know if it's, you can even come, where did you get the tree? Actually, I ordered it online, ah, and, okay. um, <laughs> and I ordered a uh, purple robe locust, and I think that's going to do okay. Um, the, uh, the Katsura tree may be problematic. Oh, I got indications here that uh, Circidophyllum is zone four, so it it should be fine. But it well, is a it, it is a tree that likes water. Yes, and and so you're going to need to be able to supply water to it year round. Yeah, so I've got it mulched and uh, even watered it throughout the winter. Okay, uh, good. Just to make sure that. Um, so you've only seen one. Yeah, only one. That's uh, almost in, in, in dead center, uh, uh, Denver, Denver, uh, sitting county. And I'm sure oh, the botanic, cool. I'm sure the botanic gardens probably has one too. And by the way, that if they do, that's only a couple of blocks away from the one I know. Now, Don, do you have the the upright growing type or the weeping type? Uh, the upright. Okay. okay, so that's going to get to be a big tree, at least it's supposed to. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's going to be a great uh, specimen. I'm just. Um, I'm just hoping that uh, it does well, and, and if it does, I think it's a, uh, a plant that more people should plant. Actually. Well, if it does well, I agree. It is a very beautiful tree. The weeping form is amazing. Those beautiful, big, heart-shaped leaves and then the great fall color. Um, yeah, so good luck with it. Uh, we'd like to have uh, you call back uh, next, oh, late spring, early summer, and let us know how it's doing. Absolutely, yeah. That would that would be helpful to us because we're you know we're learning as we go along too, so that would be really helpful. And the other tree you mentioned was purple robe locust, and I have only seen one of those in Colorado. And by the way, oh, wow. that was that was up at the tree farm. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I've, the I've, owner had it in yeah. their backyard. I've seen a lot of. Now you, you saw one that's similar to that in my backyard in Lakewood. That's right. Yeah, and um, it should be perfectly hardy for you, but it's not going to be a long-lived tree, Don. I'm sorry to tell you that. But maybe fifteen years. Yeah, the one I saw oh, had a lot cool. had a lot of dieback up on the top of it. Yeah, and it was well, an older main, tree. Yeah, my yeah my main hope is for that Katsura tree, and so that's going to be um, uh, that'll be a jewel if it uh, does well. Yeah, I I like the tree from many standpoints. One is I I like the I like the name. It just sounds great, and the Latin name is is uh, fun to say. Yeah, <laughs> Circidophyllum japonicum. Okay. Yeah. It just rolls well, off your tongue. The other, 
Yeah, and the other thing that they say that during the autumn, the leaves have a um, a burnt cotton candy smell. They do. You're exactly right. They do have a fragrance, and it's really nice. Okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate it, guys. You bet. Thank you for calling. Call again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ah, bye-bye. And let's go right away out to Carol. Uh, she has a question to us about some bushes, I believe. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, guys. Hey, nice thanks for calling. Thank you. We um, took out a, a very large bush uh, in the fall that sits on the west side of our house that was covering the uh, gas meter. It had gotten out of control. We couldn't turn it um, to work because the, um, the ground area is only about two feet wide, and then there's a sidewalk, and on the other side of that, it drops off. So it had to stay within that two feet, and it was not. So we took it out. Um, but I want something that is not going to be huge that we can cover up that gas meter with that will do okay within that two-foot space, um, a preferably evergreen rather than deciduous um, because you don't have to trim those as much. And, um, you know, I would prefer something that more, grows more flat than round. Yeah, I was. I want to back up thing. here for a second, and, and you say it's going to want something to cover your gas meter. The gas people don't right. want you to do that. Well, we can make it so that they can read it, but I would like to. Um, it's back. About yeah, I don't. From yeah, the, I don't think it's much of a reading issue because they they do that remotely now. I don't think anybody comes around to reading meters anymore. I think you're right. But they need it just for access. Should there be a okay. problem, they need to get in there and do whatever they need to do. And they don't like bushes covering the the thing. A- even though I under fully understand it, I have one too. Um, that I'd love to cover up, but I keep in mind that you know, those guys want to get in here, you know, once in 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I get to look at it 365 days a year. Yeah, I understand, yes. <laughs> well, what, what side of the house did you say it is? Out the west. So it gets full sun in the afternoon? It does. It no, does. No, no trees shading that area? No, we took our cherry tree that was, was shading it also died. And that was uh, about six feet away. And we had to take that out last fall. We took out both of those trees. So, And then we, we did a, um, you know, where you have them give you the map about where the gas line is. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that they planted the bush and the cherry tree directly above the gas line. Of course. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a no-no, too. But that's yeah. why they tell you to well, call first. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and see... We moved into this house 15 years ago, but it was built in 91. So all of this happened before we lived here. And, but these trees were dying, so we went ahead and took them out. But before we dug, we did follow the call before you dig. Yeah, and good, it was good. amazing that the, the tree and the bush were directly under or over the gas line. You know, Carol, I'm, so, I'm wondering whether we don't go with a shrub. We go with maybe an ornamental grass. Oh, Okay. Um, Carl Forrester comes to mind because uh-huh. okay. it's very narrow, grows straight upright, about four feet tall, yeah, and it looks good through the winter, uh, even though it's brown. And you know, about this time of year, maybe early February, you'd cut it down, and it would right. re- regrow quite quickly to cover that thing. Okay, I have a few. I have three or four. Carl Forrester, so I'm familiar with the plant. And I was thinking, and this <clears throat> little extra work here, because Carl Forrester, you plant it once, and it'll be there for quite a long time, that go with annuals in the summertime. 
some, uh-huh. some cannas or something like that. Yeah, uh, something that should they need to get in there and you know do some and damage the plants. You know, no big deal. It's an annual, and I can replant it. Or you could put a pot right. there, a, a large, you know, large enough pot, maybe a sixteen or eighteen inch decorative pot on either side, and, and fill those w- up with annuals, like Jim said, and that okay. way it wouldn't be a permanent thing. Right, right. About five feet behind there. I have two very nice peony bushes. Okay. Um, but they're, you know, they're at least five feet away from the, um, the yeah, grass line. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we have we have water access there. Good. Uh, because there was a bush and the peony bushes, and we did take out um, uh, a grass that I never liked that the landscaper put in. It was a, you know, it was one of those. Well, I don't think I really like that. And he says, Oh, you're going to love it. Well, I <laughs> well I, I'm I'm hard pressed to come up with an evergreen for you. That's the problem I'm okay. having here. Is that, you know, the uh, small growing evergreen would be something like a boxwood or a yew, um, but uh-huh. they're not going to like that that winter sun. No, they're not. They're yeah, not going to like that at all. And even even the uh, Oregon gray poly might have a problem being up against a west wall like that. So yeah, it's a brick wall. You know, it's brick, yeah. so it's going to be hot. Okay, well, I'll look into, um, I'll check out Carl Forster, and then I'll look at some other grasses, too, and see, and I, I can certainly do it. Yeah, there are a ton of grasses out there, mm-hmm. and right. if you have access to a computer, I'd put in, uh, in the search box, ornamental grasses, and look at the images, okay. and okay. you'll spend, I don't know, a couple of days, because there'll be millions of pictures. And okay. you might you might even put in more information like ornamental grasses zone five. You know, under okay. under under five feet tall or something like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Break it down as, as much as you yeah. can. Yeah. 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 I just I just um you know, it'd be nice if they came out and painted it and looked nice, but it doesn't look nice. <laughs> you know, do they uh, <laughs> Do they allow me to paint it? Yes, they do, as a matter of fact. Uh, the last time I had my house painted, well, well, this summer this summer I had my house painted, and they painted the gas meter the same color as the house, and it just sort of blends in. I would think I'd like to have it decorated more graffiti style. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fluorescent colors too. and such. That works, too, but I, I really didn't realize how ugly that gas meter was. Yeah, they should make prettier out. ones. Yeah, they're they're not interested. Like, yeah, the electrical meter, the new electrical meters are are now plastic. Yeah, and uh, I don't particularly care for it, but it's better than the old stuff. It is, but this gas meter is huge. Um, yeah, you know, they're the big. House, the house is thirty years old, so it's a it's a good sized meter. Yeah, those. I don't know why they and did that. Yeah, it probably has a dial on it or something somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used yeah. to have a guy to come out every month and, and read that and take yeah. it back and charge yeah. you whatever the magic numbers told them. But now they do it I don't they do it from a truck. They just drive by. Right. They they just they read they have a thing they point at it. And I fully and expect they're gonna go the way the electric people is and they won't even do drive bys anymore. It'll all dot be done automatically. Over 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 what? I don't know. I don't know how that gets transmitted, but there's nobody that goes anywhere in the truck anymore. You know, one other idea, Carol, would be a, a, a short a fence, you know, a decorative fence that is just as tall as the meter, a solid fence uh, that's just set there, not, not so much, um, 
permanently put yeah. into the ground, yeah. so it can be easily moved out of the way, but uh, it wouldn't take up much room. You wouldn't have to water it. You wouldn't have to prune it, that sort of thing. I like that idea. Okay, we can we can look. You at can that. probably buy trellis material from uh, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's and just cut it up and make this this box that Keith's talking about pretty easily. I think. Okay. okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate your ideas. Um, uh, I really would like to put, put a little pretty bush in there, but apparently that's not a good thing for me to do. Yeah. So I will stay away from that. And figure out something else to, to plant there. All right, give us a call when you when you get it figured out. Okay, will do. All now, right. The thing is, you can see this from the front yard. Uh-huh. That's the part. You know, yeah. It's just on the side, but you just you know standing on the sidewalk, you can just look straight back <clears throat> and see this lovely creation. I hear you. Yep. So, okay. Have a good morning, guys. All right. Thanks for you calling, bet. Carol. Okay. Bye bye. Or she could put up a little sign that says, "Don't look here." Don't look. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're done. Don't look up. There's music. That indicates we're we're done here on the air. So I want to thank everybody for calling. Next week, call earlier, people. Japers, grapers. Uh, we had fun chatting between us here, but uh, we'd like to call you and or have or talk to you instead. So remember, as always, keep that shovel sharp and be careful where you dibble. And we're going to be back on the air again via. I don't know. They do do this with tape machines anymore. No, Sun, I don't Sunday think so. evening, six to eight repeat everything that went on here today so until then we will see you next week right here on legends 810